0: the long run, passivity won't pay off. It never pays off. If you want a life of meaning and transcendence, you're going to have to move. Aggression doesn't have to be toxic or damaging. Healthy aggression risks. It builds new things. It breaks through barriers. It's the key to living a life that matters. I'm Brian Tome, and this is The Aggressive Life. hypotheticals right now. If you found yourself alone in the wild, how long would you survive? A couple days? A week? Maybe an hour? A few of us might go a little bit longer. But how about this? How about alone in the Arctic with only 10 items other than your clothing? Today's guest is survival skills expert, who did just that for 48 freaking days? 48 freaking days in the Arctic by the Arctic Circle. Michelle Wolberg grew up on a farm in Canada. It put the wild into her bones. And after making her way through the corporate jungle, she left it all behind to homestead in rural Saskatchewan. Living with her husband and son, she is a leader and key influencer in the homesteading and survival communities. She's also the driving force behind Legacy Survival Training, where she teaches others with skills that she's learned. I know about Michelle because I recently got hooked on the show alone. Hello. It is great. It is great. I watched the show alone. It was um, I only watched season six, I think it was. Michelle was on there. And since I'm going back and work my way through, no spoilers for the show, but this woman is tough. She's a badass. She's a survivor who has... Loads to teach us today, coming to us from rural Canada. My favorite contestant, my wife's favorite contestant on Alone, Michelle. Great being with you.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me here, Brian.
0: Man, so I don't know. I don't know where to start here. I'm just giddy. I'm, I'm talking with a real life celebrity that people don't <laughs> know about. But I, I'd rather spend time with you than I don't even know who to. Brad Pitt, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, this is this is this is great stuff. So so give us just the. The background, I'm curious on this alone, it's kind of been taking off. It's on History Channel. Ten items you get. Like, what's the, I don't know anything about the backstory. Do they get you guys all together in a room? Or do they examine your ten items? Do they, I mean, what was it like before the episode started?
1: Right. So, you know, it's a TV show. You guys get to see the finished product. But it took a long time to pull that all together. You know, we, we film it and then they edit it and then you watch it on TV. So when you're watching it on TV, we're not out living out there anymore. We've had about half a year, maybe a year, sometimes depending on editing and time to kind of come to terms with whatever our situation ended up being out there. But previous to that, you, you have to apply to be on the television show or in some cases, maybe they've headhunted you. So uh, maybe you're uh, super big name in the U S or you have a huge YouTube channel or something like that. And then they've already found you. I didn't have any of those things. <laughs> I applied to right. be on the show. So I had watched the season, the first season and a couple of episodes on the second of the second season way after they had aired. Cause I don't have television. I don't even watch it. It's just, people kept telling me, I need to watch this television show. And I was like, with what time, you know, like I'm raising chickens. I've got to Uh, my son is, you know, pre-kindergarten age. I'm working a a dozen different jobs, making ends meet, you know, and I'm like, yeah, uh, watching television isn't a priority. And so I watched it and two episodes into the second season, I looked at my husband and I was like, I'm going to apply to be on that show. What do you think about that? He was like, well, honey, (laughs) he's like, I don't want to tell you. I didn't want to tell you, like, you should apply to be on it because obviously there's some suffering. There's some heartache. There's a lot of stress systems, a lot of things going on with it. And he's like, but I definitely think you should apply to be on it. (laughs) And so, and so I did, I applied to be on the show and they had already cast, uh, the next season. So that was season, uh, season four, you know, they'd already cast that season, season five, they had a redemption season. So I, you know, obviously I wasn't making that one. And then season six, yeah, they called me up and there was, they had told me at the time there was 21,000 other applicants. So yeah. So you get your 10 items. You have to choose them from a preconceived list. Uh, everything is really heavily vetted down to the brand of your underwear. Everything is, everything is analyzed and looked at. It's all, it's just to try to make the playing field as level as possible and making sure nobody's so
0: heating. So what, so what, you go into a room and you, you, you pull out all the stuff, your backpack and they go, mm-hmm. you can have that, you can't have that. Or what, what's yeah. that work like?
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's all done previously. Like Like, before you even leave to go for, like, onto location, you know, uh, you have pictures of your stuff. You have a list of what you're bringing. You know, it's all pre-approved. And then, yeah, there's a final check. Like, they go through everything, you know. I have a nose ring. You know, they're like, you can't have that. You got to take it out, you know, right before launch, before the helicopter comes for you. You know, take it out. Like, you know, a lot of earrings and stuff like that. And so, yeah, so they go through everything one last time. And you pack your 10 items and you're, you know into your backpack and you grab your big pelican case of camera gear and away you go. You're onto the, on the helicopter and then they drop you.
0: Now that's another another curiosity I have. Cause I've done, you know, a good bit of filming with things. I've got a show on Amazon prime called okay. phantom lake and a bunch of other stuff that's going on. And, and I just d- doing the camera thing. is just a pain in the ass. It just this is. is your uh, and, <laughs> well, I, I was watching you guys, all of you guys, You all got such great footage. How? Are they incentivizing you? Like every minute we use, we're going to give you a bonus. Or what do they do to keep you guys on the camera? Because I'm thinking, if I'm surviving, the last thing I'm going to do is turn on a camera. How do they get you to do that so well?
1: So there's 10 episodes. Or some cases, there's been 11 episodes. So it works out to be about an hour per person. So you hand in a lot of crap footage, period. It's full stop. Half of what you film, no, like over half, 99% of what you film is completely unusable. And then some poor sucker sits in that editing room going through it and goes like, oh, hey, this sequence we can use for something. <laughs> this is, this actually, you can see what they're doing. Their audio is clear, you know, and otherwise they have to try to piece together your story out there from from it. So um, when you you agree you know, part of the stipulations that when you go on the show is that you are going to film basically everything you do. So my camera was rolling. I'd wake up in the morning and my camera would be set up from the night before. I'd have to swap out the battery because it would be dead from the cold and hit record. And, you know, you just film and you drag that camera around everywhere. And I mean, so some of those shots, like you can see me walking in or, you know, pick anybody. You can see them walking in, then you can see them doing something and then they're walking away from it you have to move that camera a dozen different times. And yeah, you know, there were days when I'm hungry, I'm tired. I'm just, you know, over dragging that camera around, you know, but then if something really awesome happens, it's not on camera. It's not going to, you know, if it didn't, if you didn't film it, it didn't happen. It's not going to make the cut. Right. So, um, so yeah, you just, you just make peace with that camera after the first couple of weeks and you just keep, you just drag it everywhere and film everything. And, talk on it and I don't know.
0: Yeah. And there, is there sense. somebody, is there some boat coming every day and giving you fresh batteries or they give you a solar charging station or how does that work?
1: Yeah, we do get a charging pack and to keep your batteries kind of topped up and stuff, but they do like, for me, what they did is it's called like a blind media drop. So there's just a predetermined location. They say like, they give you a wet bag, you put your media into it. You can only use it for your media. You're not allowed to use it for anything else. Uh, and then, you just go and drop it off there. So uh, like a place on a rock or whatever, and you're not allowed to interact with them at all. So it was like when all my batteries were dead or I was running low on media cards or whatever, then there would just be a drop zone there and then they would come and swap it out for me. And uh, right. yeah, you're not allowed to interaction with them because the name of the game is literally alone. Yeah.
0: Right. Alone. Right. I got it. alone. Yeah. Uh, it's, alone. It's, <laughs> it's like they named the show for that or something like that. Yeah. That's kind of crazy.
1: <laughs> but so people are like, <laughs> Okay, but no, like, where does, like, you actually get food, right? And I'm like, no, you, you actually really don't. And right. they're like, well, but there's really somebody there filming, right? Like, they have a tent by you. And, you know, you say, like, no, really, there's not. Like, really, there's none of that. Like, honestly, yeah. they're there really, really actually alone. And you, you randomly pick your spot. So they kind of have, like, 10, 10 locations. Uh, so on mine, in my group, they had uh, one through 10 painted on the bottom of rocks, right? So 10 rocks, 10 numbers. And then we used my hat uh, and we put everybody's name in there and they drew the names out of the hat and you went and picked your rock. So whatever rock you pick, that's where you are being dropped. So there's no, you know, I don't know how they did it on other seasons, season, but that's how they did it online. So then, you know, even your location is completely randomized. And you don't get to know. So I was location number three. doesn't mean anything. What does number three mean to you? Like, it, it didn't mean anything to me. You don't get a map. You don't get an overview. You don't get to fly over or a topographical, nothing. Like, there's no GPS. They just, and they, they, when they land you down, you know, you're not allowed to look out the window. You're not, you know, when they randomly fly you around in circles to disorientate you in the helicopter and stuff and up and wow. down and up and down. And you have to look at the camera you know, as you know, as they're recording you, when you're getting, you know, asking you questions and stuff that they use. So, and then all of a sudden, the helicopter just kind of drops down out of the sky, and there's your spot, you know. And so, right. you get the heck they, you, they just dump you out the helicopter, and they fly away.
0: So this is sort of a spoiler alert, but not really. It's not going to spoil anything for you. Michelle did not win. Did not. Um, <laughs> she did not win. It's it's she's one of the last ones. It's even if I told, even if you knew who won, it would not spoil anything for you. Uh, it was it was really solid. Michelle, you went what I'm trying to remember thirty nine days or how many days did you go? Uh, forty eight. Yeah, forty eight days. Forty eight days. So forty eight days alone. Yeah. In the Arctic. Before yep. that, how long had you ever been by yourself alone? I know you've camped and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. literally alone. How long before that would you have been alone?
1: would have been like a week and a half, you know, where I was truly alone and didn't have a cell phone and no computer and no people and no, you know, just went off into the woods. Most people will know if they can handle being alone really kind of after the first three, four days. If you, most people have never spent, yeah, haven't really spent any time longer than that, really truly alone, like being alone with no cell phone no connectivity of whatsoever. There's no electricity running. There's no, you know, uh, pumping station, you know, water station or, or you know, bathrooms. You know, they've got a friend nearby. They know where somebody is. I mean, when you're actually alone.
0: Yeah.
1: It's it's a little bit hard. It's a little bit hard to prepare for that mental aspect of it, I guess, uh, that maybe, you know, I knew I could handle having been by myself for already for a period of time, but that doesn't compare to, you know, a month at pl- a month plus by yourself with limited items and food.
0: So we're, we're we're here in the aggressive life, not so much talking about surviving, though I like yeah. doing that. We'll keep doing that. But what what, the, what what I find this really fascinating about this, Michelle, is it's a really aggressive move to do something that the vast majority of the country would, would not be willing to do and would tell you that you're stupid to do. I mean, that's, that's kind of what aggression is. Aggression is always aggressive because the majority of people aren't doing it. If the majority of people are doing it, then it would be called common sense. It would be called good ideas that everybody does. But it exactly. becomes aggressive when it's something you don't want to do and you don't, you don't have the, you know, the support of the masses. The masses don't understand did you get pushback for doing this, and people saying this? I don't know why you're doing this. What was that like for you?
1: You know, you're not actually allowed to tell anybody. You make the show, and like you're leaving. You just disappear, oh. basically. But there were some people who knew that I was doing it, and most of the people, I should say, everybody in my corner was was really supportive of me doing it at that time, uh, because I mean, they knew, right? This is this show was basically made for somebody. You know, for people like me, like you said, going camping for a week or two weeks isn't enough for us, right? Like we are pushing the envelope to the most extreme, you know, possibilities that we can. So where I got pushback was when everybody found out I had gone to the show. And then you would get random, random folks telling you, like, what kind of mother would leave her kid for that period of time? Well, listen, like, you know, my kid is better off me going off and doing these things he's learned you know how to how to what family really means what love really means how to help himself how to look after himself how to appreciate the things that we give him and like you know all of these things uh, you know so I get pushed back like that or I get you know well how fair is it to your husband to have to look after stuff like we're partners there's nowhere where I signed up in my marriage that said I'm a servant and a slave and I'm not allowed to go off and do things that are a benefit going to benefit our family in the long run that are something that I'm my, have my heart and set my soul desires to go and do these things. And, you know, I chose a partner who's supporting, who supports me in all of these things. Like I support him in his things. That's where you end up getting your pushback. And then people say, of course, like, well, you're crazy to go off and do something like that. Like, obviously, <laughs> obviously, yeah. you know, huh. I pass all the psychological evaluations and all the psych tests that they have to put you through before they'll go and dump you out there. So like, no, I'm actually, you know, sane clinically. But like I yes. said, the term aggressive, yeah, absolutely describes me. And, and sometimes in a bad way, I guess, if you want to. and in other ways, I see something, I'm going to go off and get it. I'm not going to wait for somebody to hand it to me. You go and get it. The television show, I applied to, to be on it. When they interacted with me, they're like, "Well, why should we choose you?" And I'm like, "Duh, obviously. <laughs> like, I want it. I want it more than more than anything right now. My entire focus is on doing this. So, I mean, yeah, you have to be aggressive. You have to. You have to. You're, just, you're not going to make it anywhere if you're not."
0: And what was the hardest thing about the 48 days or whatever it was?
1: Honestly, the hardest part was when I knew my body was. Gun, right, like I had a dirty high fever. I had the temperature spikes, and you're so hot, you're just pouring sweat. And then the chills hit, right where it like doubles you over. So I had that going on. I had a med- another medical issue uh, going on that was causing, you know, what it ended up how to call it like constipation. But there was a serious medical issue I had going on there. On top of that, I was extremely dehydrated because I was vomiting. I had three days of vomiting uh, with the fever, and I was so dehydrated, I couldn't keep down sips of water. I knew my heart was going like it would just kind of randomly stop, and I kind of like hit it a couple of times and I'm like, huh. I don't think <laughs> I don't think my heart's oh beating, my and I'm gosh. getting dizzy here, you know? Like I kind <laughs> of was passing out. I knew I had to go. I knew I knew that my body was done, but I was still waited. I still waited three days. I was not leaving. I was like, you know, well, I think I'd rather die than I would quit. Actually, <laughs> I don't want to. I like, I don't want to lose, but I don't want this to be done. Like I am here to win it still, even though my body is like, no, you're done. Like you need to go home, Michelle. I, you know, I'm still, I don't want to. And when I make that phone call, it's so traumatizing for me. Like the mental whipping that it took for me to finally make that phone call was so hard because I was like, I'll just do one more day. I'll just do another hour. I'll just do another 20 minutes, you know, like, like counting myself down for it. Like when you're running a, running a marathon, you know, or whatever. And you're like, okay, I only have one mile left or I have five miles, you know, or whatever it is you have left. Like you just count it down in your head, right. One more rep, one more rep. And I was doing that with myself. And, you know, when I had to go, I knew I had to go, but I didn't want to. And that, get over that took probably close to a year mentally where like, so the air show was airing and I never, I couldn't watch it. Like I'd watched a couple episodes and I could like, I couldn't watch him because, you know, that was me. I knew what was coming for me, even though like I'm looking good. I'm trapping animals. I got all the stuff going on for me. And then, you know, that comes so that was honestly, it wasn't being alone, being, you know, trying to find my own food and water and learn the area and build my shelter and find these tasks to keep me busy and sane and all those things. Like, it wasn't hard. That was, I was loving that. I said, you mean somebody wants to pay me to hunt and fish and trap? Like, oh,
0: perfect.
1: Uh (laughs) This is is exactly what I want.
0: Well, you you pretty much answered my next question. So make something (laughs) up. Well, what's the hardest thing? What was the hardest thing for you? Was it the cold? Was the food? Was it being alone? What? Uh, forget about the pain the last few days. What was the most yeah. challenging thing?
1: You know, the most challenging thing really was being dropped off in an area that you have no idea anything about. Like, yeah, so I knew I was in the subarctic. Okay. Like we are 50 miles from the, the Arctic tree line. So I knew that. I knew that there were, should be rabbits. I knew that there should be you know, big game. I knew that there should be fish. I knew all of these things that should be, but I haven't seen it. I haven't been there. And then you get dropped off. So it's it's really to simulate something like a plane crash or some sort of disaster where you get dropped off in an area you don't know anything about. See, you can be really, really good. Like, where, like lots of folks will tell me, they're like, oh, well, I would have done better than you. And I'm like, well, maybe, or maybe not. You know, I guess we're not going to know because you're not going to be on the show, chances are. So...
0: Yeah, and you're, and and you're, you're really... not going to go out. You know what? You could find out. You you could go out the Arctic Circle with 10 items, and you don't have go to ahead. get any fame. Go ahead and do that. Yeah, yeah why don't you try go that? Let me know. Lose a and boy? Then, Lose...
1: Yeah, but they, but they say to me, they go, well, I'm really good at this. Like, you know, I'm really good where, where I am. And I'm like, me too. <laughs> I'm a big game guy. I'm really good at where I am. Yeah, I am. You know, that's the difference is when you know the area, you know where the coolies and the valleys are. You know where the animals are going for water. You know where the meadows are in that area. Why? Because you've seen it. You've been it. You've trucked around. You've looked at the maps on it. You've got like a little app on your phone that gives you a you know a general overview of an area. Or who owns that land? You you grew up there. Yeah, I'm from northern you know northern Saskatchewan. I live in north. It's still not. I still I don't live 50 or 50 miles from the Arctic tree line. Like that's not where I'm from. So that's really hard. Really. You know, yeah, it's, right. if you accept it and you can figure it out, but when you get dropped off in that area, you know nothing. You don't know where the animals are. You know, you have to figure out how they move, when, you know, how they react after a storm, how they react with a storm coming. Do you want to know how long they hold up for? All of those things you have to learn about that area and you have to do it within days because every day you're out there, you don't have food. You don't have a cushion. You know, you don't like... Oh, well, I'll just, you know, go down to the KFC and grab myself some lunch. Like, no, you have to learn all of that in a really short period of time.
0: Right. So you have 10 items to take with you. uh, For you, that included an axe, a multi-tool, trapping wire, paracord, on and on and on. If, if If you had to go back and do it again, is there something... You would have taken off your list, and something you would have taken that was on your list.
1: Well, if I had, it, had that, it wasn't life. on your list. Yeah, if I had that same location again, obviously my fishing line was completely bunk. <laughs> Didn't mm. catch every single fish, but I mean, you don't know that uh, till you're there. But you know, right. I had a bow, and I had somebody. So you, from the time I knew I made the show, I had one month to prepare to leave. Oh wow! So it's not like I had half a year. They told me I made the show and I had a month. So you got to, you know, liquidate. I had to sell and give away all my farm animals. I quit my job. I, Lars had to move to Saskatoon to be with his dad full time here because he lives in Saskatoon to so he can work. Uh, he had to do that. My grandma had to move out of her home because I was a primary, her primary caregiver. We had to find her a place. You know, I mean, we had a long list of stuff I had to do. On wow. top of sourcing these items that I didn't have or making sure that they were to spec and whatever. So anyway, I got a bow. Well, the arrows that I have, they were not acceptable arrows. So I had to find somebody to make me arrows to go with this bow that I could take on the show. So I had a 45-pound recurve bear bow. And I found two people because I wasn't just going to leave it to chance. So the first person ended up be like, yeah, 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 no, I can make these arrows suspect. It's all good. I got this. And then they ghosted me, you mm-hmm. know, two weeks in. I'm like, well, that sucks. Luckily, I have this other person online also making me the arrows. So he's making me like a wood shafted arrow with a special broadhead that I needed to take with like real feather fletching and whatever. So I get them the morning I fly out. So it's not wow. for me. It's not for me lacking of lack of trying. Like I, wow. this, is, this is the reality I live in, right? I don't live in somewhere where everybody's making handcrafted arrows. It's just not a thing, right? This, we, I don't this, Saskatchewan's population is just over a million people. It's not like we have, you know, our entire province. So anyway, I get on the airplane, we get to orientation, we finally get out onto location, we get to the archery range, I pull out my my broadheads and my my judo points and everything that I'm going to use with this bow because the bow is one of my 10 items. And my broadheads fall off my arrows.
0: Oh, wow. Jeez.
1: (laughs) Fall right off. The glue he used and the technique or whatever. No broadheads. No broadheads on my arrows. And I just like, I looked at it on the ground and I just, I just like instantly tears like of frustration because, you know, when you see that laying on the ground, you're just like, there it goes. I need that bow. Like that bow is so bloody important. So some of the other contestants, they had some extra arrows and everybody was going to give me like one arrow basically, you know, and they but everybody's got their own custom arrows. And I was like, how am I going to shoot this bow with, with eight different arrows or nine, whatever, wow. you really have. nine different arrows, wow. nine different, nine different draw lengths, nine different types of arrows, nine different velocity weights, you know, all of this. I'm like, how, how can I take this? you know, and so I was like, I can, not you know, my, my chances of even bagging a piece of game with all these different arrows, if I pick one up and then what happens when I lose them in the bush, which happens to everybody on this, you know, on the season, you know, every arrow flies differently. I'm going to have to, like, you can't target practice with a broadhead on trees, you know, to learn what that arrow is going to do. And so, you know, these other arrows I was running through Uh, you know, through my bow, I was comfortable with how they were already flying and stuff. And then, yeah, then my broadheads were falling off. So anyway, I dropped my bow because, and I put on the emergency ration because I like at the time, right. I have like three days up there to make this choice three, you know, for four days. And I'm like, how can I possibly take, take this item? And, you know, and then I get to my location and I instantly, you know, Three or four days in, I find moose tracks, you know. And I was just like, <laughs> and then there's this big bull moose, the and there's a cow and a calf on my little area the entire time I'm there. And like, I would just sit there and I just watch that moose walk around out there. And I wasn't allowed to trap the moose. I wasn't wasn't allowed. And so I was just sit there and I just watch that moose. And every time I saw it walk away, I'm like, well, there it goes. There goes my moose. You know, and am like, I ha- would have had a dozen a dozen 35 yard shots at this move, you know? And so I would just sit there and like, I would just be like so mad at myself for, for, you you know, for making those choices. And I was like, I don't know, still, like if I had to make that choice again, I, I probably would have like, you know, knowing the outcome 2020, I would have put the bow on with all the different size arrows and all the different weights and everything. But I mean, at the time, you know, with the information that I had, I still feel like I'm not, I made the right choice. Like yeah. hindsight, yeah, it's 2020, 20, but yeah. yeah. So with those 10 items, like, yeah, apparently I didn't need fishing line. <laughs> like mm-hmm. four, four feet of water surrounding me wasn't real, you know, wasn't real good right. for fish, <laughs> as it turns out.
0: This is one of the things that I, I kept thinking when I, when I saw the episode. Just about everybody, I don't think you at least you don't wear it on your sleeve as much as some of the other contestants. Just about everybody just said again and again, I'm in this for the money, I need this money for my family, I'm doing this so I can get my family to a new place. One contestant saying, I haven't been able to, I can't afford to take a bus trip, a bus ride to go see my grandfather, right? Um, I'm on and I think sitting there, I think to myself man bus fare isn't that much yeah i know i know i know i'm not personally couch surfing i'm not dealing with hunger god's been very very good to me i'm very very financially blessed I'm, you know i'm not going to you know age it. but but i'm going like it doesn't take that much effort to get money for a bus pass right and i'm not cracking on that person specifically i'm not at all i'm just saying this was such a consistent theme with everyone i just kept thinking these people are, for the most part, the baddest ass of the baddest ass. The level of mm-hmm. um, initiative that's shown by everybody, the level of fortitude, the level of ingenuity, the level of uh, deal, being able to deal with pain, the ability to deal with setbacks, all of that with just about everybody was like nine or 10. And yet you got a bunch of people that have just not figured out how to make money in the regular world. Why do you think that is? Have you thought about this much.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I was, you know, to be fair, yeah, I
0: wanted to win. I wanted the money too, obviously. Like somebody's going to it. Well, and to be fair, Michelle. Be, well, know, and, but well yeah. Michelle, to be to be fair, to do the show for five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> is fine. If they ask me, if yeah. you're out there, all of you, if you ask me, I'll take it. I'm <laughs> yeah. not saying I would win, but I would I would do it. But so the five hundred thousand dollars is definitely yeah. a, a a good incentive. Yeah. No, no shame in envy. But it was it was the backstory of person after person, person. Yeah. just being in financial uh, ruin and disaster.
1: Yeah. You know, I I can't speak for what, you know, how other people live their lives. Um, I grew up really dirt poor, right? Like no shoes, you know, till school time, basically. You run the summer barefoot as you're growing. Uh, I went to the dentist for the first time when I was 16 years old, when I moved out from home. So we didn't have money for extra things. So I grew up, my dad taught me, you know, how to hunt and fish and trap. And and really, you know, I've talked about this, you know, before. So somebody has to forgive me if they're hearing me parrot. It's just that it's the truth. My dad and I, we don't get along. We don't talk. You know, I moved out from home and that was that was the end of that. But my dad never, ever told me that I couldn't do something. Right. My mom died when I was seven. I looked after a lot of stuff. I helped out with my sisters. I, I fished for sustenance. We, we hunted, you know, all of those things. But my dad never told me I couldn't do something because it was impossible. You know, no, I didn't, we didn't have money, but it was about, if you want something, then I guess you better go out and help yourself. If we need firewood and we need firewood split, I guess you better go and get it. You know, if you want the garden, cause you want produce, I guess you better go out and get it. So later in life here, like, you know, I'm, I'm busting my hump. I work all of the time, every day for, Yeah, financial gain for personal gain for self fulfillment, you know, all of those things, because I don't want to be poor. You know, there's nothing wrong with being poor, but I've been there. I've done that. I can write a book on, on, you know, all of those things that happen when you're poor. I didn't want that anymore. I don't want it now. No, I don't want to be, I don't need to be a multimillionaire and driving a Porsche. I just want to be able to pay my bills easily and comfortably. I want to be able to send my kid to a good school if he wants to go. I want to be able to send him to the dentist without, you know, going, ooh, can't pay that bill, you know, but he needs it. So I'm going to have to sacrifice in other areas. So I found a partner, my husband, Dan, who's on the same board, you know, on, on board with that. We don't drive brand new vehicles. We don't have fancy things, you know, all these things. We got, got good stuff. We got stuff that works for us. And we're both on the same page with our spending and our finances going, no, we don't need to be multi-millionaires, multi no. But I want to be comfortable and I don't want to have to struggle for basic life things, right? I want to be able to go to the grocery store and buy prime rib steaks if that's what I want and not have to go, ooh, that's I bought those last week. I can't, you know, I can't for the next two months, you know? And I don't know if, that, it's, if it's different for me than it is for other people, you know? Um, I don't consider myself poor now, and I haven't for a long time, and I don't know if that's just like you know my mindset changed, um, and then my money followed it. I guess is probably what happened.
0: That so, do sense. you think do you think survival skills translate into um, making ends meet financially, or do you think they're two totally separate things?
1: I know I think they're related. I think for for me it certainly is. So I learned how to do with less. So if you, you know, you look there my house right now, you would see an old leather used couch that I bought, you know, a couch and a loveseat off of somebody you, you'd you find they're comfortable. They're serviceable. They're fine. Fine for me. You know, I've got everyday normal things. I just try to look after them. You know, I don't go out shopping. I don't fill my house up with stuff. I used to kind of be one of those people who went to fulfill, fulfill myself and my feelings inside by buying things and trinkets and, oh, get a new TV or a new this or new that. And I realized that I was wasting my life paying for those things versus living my life. So then when I go out into the bush, I was taking less and less stuff, right? Like I was like, oh, something that I'm going to take with me that's always on my belt, always, is my leatherman. I have a, you know, they're not cheap, but I have a Leatherman and I have a nice leather case for it, right?
0: God bless Leatherman. Seriously. There's such a thing. I mean, you know, people say, oh, I don't like name brand things. Well, you don't like things that work because those guys, (laughs) it just freaking works all the time.
1: My husband is a Gerber guy. So he has his Gerber and I have a Leatherman. And so it's like he, we have like the war of the the vehicles in the house. Too, well,
0: Gerber so. makes baby food. They don't make <laughs> knives. He likes, the, he likes the quick draw uh,
1: players on them, you know, slide them out real quick. And I'm just kind of like, I don't know, I'm going to stick with my Leatherman. I'm good. I've broken <laughs> some of those Gerbers. I need a Leatherman. So I kind of have like these core items that really, really make my life really super easy when I'm out in the bush. Like I can do, I can do a lot of things, like live basically forever with these few items. And then, so that translated from survival, you know, is directly related to how I live my everyday life, right? Like I don't have a brand new truck because why? I don't need one. i am got the best like looking, you know, guide truck around. It's all like dented and scabby looking and whatever, you know, with a big engine in it. Good for me. Um, and so, so that financial security, I think, comes from, you know, a life of, of making it work with what you can afford and saving Like when you're going out into the, into the woods. Yeah, you buy the best gear that you can. It's not just about brand names and whatever else. It's about the gear that works the best for you and your situation, your skill set and your level. And then forget about the rest of it.
0: Well, let's incentivize people to help you financially right now. You've got legacy survival <laughs> training. <Yeah. laughs> so you're trying to equip in people uh, to survive and be on their own. T- what is that? If, if I signed up for that, what would I be getting?
1: Yeah, so I do a couple of different things. So right now I'm really focusing on, on guiding. People can pay for a hunt. So what's happening is there's a lot of folks, they want to hunt. But like they don't know how or maybe they know how to hunt, but they don't actually know what to do with the deer after they've shot it. So these people are, you know, booking a hunt with one of my outfitters that I work with and and then I'm guiding them. So they pay for their hunt. And then with me, they get the extra the extra lessons, right? This is how you break down a deer. This is what happens after you shoot a deer. Sometimes they don't make a good kill shot. So it's about tracking the animal. How do you track it? What do you do when you come across it? How long should you wait before you check it? All of those things are included in those lessons. Um, and then I'm also doing fishing, uh, fishing trips. So people can book in for a fly and fishing trip, which sounds really expensive, but it's really not. And I got info on my Facebook page and wherever else for that. But <clears throat> people can come up fishing. I'll teach them how to, if they don't know how, to do really basic things, like tie, tie their line. Maybe they don't know how. Maybe they don't know how to drive a boat. Maybe they don't know how to dock a boat. They don't know how to clean fish. All those things are included in that also. And then I also take guys out and, and women out on little expeditions. And really, I would have to say that probably one of the best things about the fishing trips or, say, one of those little expeditions is that there's nobody there. Like, there's, mm-hmm. when I say there's nobody there, you can go in an airplane and you can't see anybody. You can't see anything because there's nothing there. It's, it's wide open, or it's all forest, but there's no, you know, no villages, no towns, no cities, no skyscrapers, no people, no farms, no roads. There's no roads. Everything's accessible by bush plane or snowmobile in the winter time. And for a lot of people, they've never experienced that. So it's the it's how quiet everything is. You know, you get out in the boat, and and you know, I just go out into the water and I shut the boat off there's no other sea. there's no other craft, you know, there's no sea or other people's boats. There's no kids laughing and crying. There's nobody yelling at each other or music blaring. It's the sound of nature and that's it. And for a lot of people, that's the first time they've ever experienced anything like that. So that's one of my favorite things to do, I'd say. And one of the things I really encourage people to go and do is find that, uh, that part of nature you know, and really, really immerse themselves in it.
0: So is that a pretty aggressive move for you to sell all your stuff and go do that? Oh, or was yeah. that Yeah. I mean, uh, how did you overcome that that fear or the obstacles that would keep you from going to a totally different way of life?
1: Oh, uh, Like, it was hard. friend. When I came back from the TV show, you know, a dog that's been beaten and it hangs its head and its tail's tucked between its leg and it walks different. That was me. You want a snapshot of what I looked like. I was scrawny. I lost all my muscle mass and mentally I, I lost, I lost. I, there's no second place. There's no third place. And you know, there's no, there's no other place. There's a winner on that show and everybody else is a loser. Yeah, you can do good. But the show is about number one. The last one standing wins. I wasn't that person. I lost. For me and my type of personality I wasn't just like, Oh, I'm going to, I'll go there for a week or for the experience. Like, heck no, I was there to win. <laughs> and so I didn't win. I was whipped, like a whipped dog straight up. And you have to recover from that. You have to rebuild. I'm not going to just, what it could do, like lay down and feel sorry for myself for months on end. No, like, you know, when my heart could tolerate me standing up and walking across the room without me falling over and fainting, um, you know, I slowly started to put on weight. I started exercising in my own house. Then I went to the gym to, you know, punish myself to get my, you know, cause you got to kick your body out of the starvation mode where it wants to just mm. store fat. You got to, you mm. got to force it back into reality here. Uh, so I had to force it to start burning fat and building muscle. I had to force my mind to go. I like I would, there was a point where I couldn't decide what I was going to wear in the morning. And I don't mean in a, where people are stereotypically, oh, girls never know what they wear. No, no, like I'm the type of person I just put clothes on and I don't give a crap. I couldn't decide what to put on because I was so mentally defeated that I was second guessing what I was going to wear. So now translate that into my everyday life. I had to get driving again. You know, I was in the city um, on my fireman. All the things that I used to do before I left for the show was all gone. But that was no more. That life was, over <laughs> it was done now I have to rebuild how am I going to do what am what am I going to do from this point and really looked at it and evaluated it and I thought I don't have to start being a you know homesteader again I can go off and do some of these things now like, Lars is in kindergarten you know now he's in grade one now he's going into grade two he I've got him in a pro you know before and after school program he doesn't need mom every single day to look after him in the sense of like washing his face. Now I've taught him how to wash his own face. He doesn't need me to wash his face. He might need a reminder to wash his face, but he knows how to do those things for himself. He knows where to put his clothes. These are not scattered all over his floor, right? I taught him where to put them. He doesn't need me yeah. there to tell him, right? You trust him. You let him go. He's going to figure that stuff out. So I thought, why don't I go away to work? Go, you know, go do all this guiding you know, what that I'm focusing on and this training and stuff. Lars can come with me when, when the time is right. Uh, like he did, he spent five months with me up at my last camp and then reinvent myself, right? Regrow, rebrand, became in, you know, in the male dominated industry of, of the outdoor, like truly the outdoor world where it's not about survival and skills and trapping animals it's about taking guys mostly men out on guided hunts yeah Mm. like in the mountains in the yukon and 10-day hunt rotations off grid it's about you know black bear and white tail hunts so i started doing that and then now it's it's full you know it's full bore in that male dominated industry where i've made a name for myself that's
0: good Michelle, are you ready for the lightning round? The lightning round is I I give you a topic and you have to answer it in one or two sentences. No long soliloquies. chop, chop, lightning answers. Are you ready for the challenge?
1: All right, let's do it.
0: Here we go. All right. Starting a fire.
1: Pick dry stuff as you go and keep it in your pocket.
0: Finding food.
1: Look for berry bushes. Should always be some.
0: Okay, and that's the problem. I always want to ask, like you're you're good. you, you, you take instruction really well. Most people do not actually do. <laughs> you, you did it. You've done a real you've done it really, really well. But now I have a follow up question. I'm always wondering yeah. now look for berry bushes. How do I know that they're not poison berries?
1: Well, hopefully, you know the area that you're in and you've done a small amount of uh, you know, leg there you leg go. work. But strawberries. I mean strawberries are are across the Across the continent, and you, you know what a strawberry looks like in a grocery store. Well, strawberries are just small. They look the same. It's pretty hard to miss Great. a strawberry.
0: Keeping warm. wool clothing. Mental toughness.
1: Are you going to live or are you going to die? You can choose.
0: Surviving the quiet of the wild.
1: Take stock of the sounds around you, I guess. Birds, they're loud. Rabbits rustling. They're all there. All noise.
0: Most nutrient-dense wild food source?
1: Animal liver.
0: Ew! Hate liver. All right. Best place (laughs) to find water?
1: Uh, Low ground. Sorry, if you wanted a long answer on that one, Brian. Find the animal tracks. They'll all meet up and head towards the water. They'll spread out farther away from it.
0: If I'm lost and disoriented in the woods, what do I do?
1: Oh, just stop. Stop moving and sit down and think about it for a minute.
0: Key to cooking over a fire. I don't cook over flames. You cook over coals. One thing you should never go into the wild without. Oh, let's go to Leatherman. <laughs> there you go. Getting sleep in the wild.
1: I've never had problems with that. You should just relax, just breathe, rhythmic breathing. Let's go with that.
0: How about earplugs? Could it? Could, could, would earplugs be one of your 10 things on, on alone or would that, uh, could I sneak that in my pocket? Because I find earplugs are massively helpful.
1: Yeah, I've never used them. I don't, it's not that, I don't know. I don't struggle with that. I can't really, get, I guess, can't really give you much advice for that. Earplugs, I guess, if you're, what bothers you about it?
0: Well, when I'm when I'm awake, I find that uh, there's just so many cool things I want to listen to instead of going to sleep. So when I put those earplugs in, I just have a just like a a, a ring in my ear, just puts me to sleep. Now the problem is, right? If if I've got a bear rustling around outside of me, then you know I'm going to get eaten. But at least I will be. I'll have had a good sleep before I got eaten.
1: Small percentage of people get eaten by bears. I've never been attacked by one personally, and I've been <laughs> I've been around some bears. Be <laughs> fine.
0: I know. I take all the precautions. You know, put the food up. I have a I have yeah. a forty four. I have a snub nose forty four magnum. I always take out with me, so I never use it. I never see. I, it's like there was all these stories about bears are amazing stories, but in the end, I never see one. It's a bummer.
1: Yeah, I know guides. Guides, right? Guides. Yeah, so I got lots of guiding stories and stuff like that.
0: I know they make for good ones around the campfire. Well, Michelle, this has been wonderful. Tell us right now where we can go to connect with you if we want to find out your stuff and hire you as a as a as a guide. If you've got books, you're you're writing, podcasts, website, social. Please take take your time to advertise yourself right now.
1: My Facebook page is Legacy Survival Training. Dash Michelle Ann Wahlberg. So you can search for my name. I don't accept personal friend requests on my personal Facebook page. Uh, that way, if I've got, you know, information pertaining to my son that I want to protect, you know, for family, you know, obvious reasons, right? So don't bother sending me a personal friend request, but follow me on on my Facebook page or or on my Instagram page. Uh, it's just Michelle Ann Wahlberg on Instagram. And Really, those are the two places that I interact. I have a YouTube channel, but it's dead. I haven't dedicated the time to filming myself and editing and putting anything up yet. Um, So those two things. And then, you know, the outfitters that I work for right now is is Squadigan Lake Lodge. That's for fishing. Uh, They're on Facebook. Uh, And then Great Grey Outfitters and Western Trophy Outfitters is for whitetail and black bear in Saskatchewan and migratory birds. And then the Yukon is Blackstone Outfitters. They have a website, no Facebook page and all really highly reputable. You're in good hands with those, any one of those old sitters. Um, super near and dear to me and they're, they look after, they look after you really well. You definitely, I have no compunction working with them or recommending them at all.
0: Michelle, it's been an honor to get to know you a little bit and to hang out with you. Thanks for being so helpful. And thank you for being on this episode of The Aggressive Life.
1: <laughs> thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me.